exploring the culture, the adventure, and the impact of martial arts. That's what Kung Fu Podcast is all about. And I'm your host, T.W. Smith. I appreciate you allowing me to be part of your martial arts journey. If this is your first time to the program, welcome. You're in the audience of some of the finest and sharpest martial artists in the world. People that put in a great deal of sweat and a great deal of care into honing their craft. In this particular episode, we're going to be looking at eight more reasons or eight more attributes that you can exercise to put yourself ahead of the pack or separate yourself from the pack. And that may apply to us differently in martial arts, but everything that we've listed in the first five and in these eight can apply not just in the martial arts, but almost in any area of our lives, whether it's trying to be a better father, a better wrestler, better at work, wherever you want to take it. And the thing is, is that these were designed and picked out because they don't take you any extra talent. So it eliminates the excuse, well, they got it because they were, they're better than I am. Uh, eliminates resources like, well, they just have more money or more education. Uh, once you have these, that is your education. So as we look at the first five, as a quick review, we had be on time, being prompt, put yourself in a position so that you can get the information that is being dispersed in the way that you want it. Uh, work ethic, the grind, that's where we talked about the wrestlers, for example, and Joe Rogan and uh, going through the process of just being uncomfortable. Uh, being coachable, and we had two groups that we talked about in that last episode uh, that could really benefit from coaching and many of us can uh, benefit from coaching at different times but there was also one trait amongst both of those groups that would make you pretty much uncoachable and you want to make sure that that's not part of uh, something that you regularly do uh, we also talked about micro, have passion, right? You know, if you have passion, that's kind of like fuel. But you don't want to go out there just with fuel. You also want to make an honest assessment uh, of whether or not you're pretty good at, for example, singing or anything else. You know, just be honest with yourself so that you can focus on the things that you have control of and not be blind to the things that you're not. The sixth attribute is effort. It's in the same lines as work ethic, but uh, when I think of effort, it's not necessarily about physical work. Uh, for example, if you're an academic athlete, it's the effort that you put into your grades. For example, uh, going to bed on time, eating right. Uh, how much effort do you put in to the lifestyle, lifestyle discipline that contributes to what it is that you're pursuing? In the Chinese dictionary, effort is synonymous with to strive or to be compelled. It's not necessarily work or labor. Interestingly enough, in cognitive psychology and in the neurosciences, effort is distinguished as the process that mediates between how well an organism can potentially perform and how well they actually perform on that task. So effort is more global in my mind. And seventh is energy. Energy in the Chinese dictionary is synonymous with these English words, strength, enthusiasm, spirit, mood, expression, and interest. All of those are pretty much the same thing as energy. Now, a lot of times in the martial arts, the word chi comes up, which is sometimes a nightmare to have to deal with because it gets thrown out there as this is some sort of magic process. It's not really that at all. It's an old word that 
we don't really have to use today because we already have other words that explain the processes that they were trying to explain a long time ago. But uh, you know, when it comes to energy, have you ever worked with someone who was just showing up for their check or uh, was training with someone whose heart wasn't in it. You know, they were there because their mama made them. They were there because their wife made them. They were there because for any other reason except for the fact that they wanted to be there. Uh, good energy isn't usually associated with those sorts of people. Uh, there was a career coach named Joyce Russell. She wrote an article called Enthusiasm is Contagious. She writes, Recently, I had an instructor in an exercise class who was so enthusiastic that it really made me have a fantastic experience. Yet, the next time I went to class, someone else taught it and it seemed to just drag on forever. The same thing happens at work. When you are with enthusiastic people, then you are enthusiastic and it can really help affect your entire experience at work or anyplace else. Not only that, but it can also impact your career success and your advancement in that career. The eighth attribute is body language. In Jonathan Bluestein's book, when we did that review a couple of months ago, uh, the entire book was sometimes alluding to, as Jonathan teaches, he pays attention to his students' body language. Are they paying attention? Are they not paying attention? Do they feel like uh, you know, you're just wasting their time trying to explain something to them because they've already pre-decided how they were gonna learn it anyway? Amazingly powerful, there's no talent required into having good body language. Now, being attentive for example, when you're attentive, usually when I go into a meeting, I'm trying to you know, make sure that I put my body in the right position. It's not about who I'm with, it's about me, right? About me putting myself in the right position so that I'm attentive. So usually I try to lean in, have my paper and pencils ready to go, you know, and really pay attention. I tell my son, put your eyes where your ears are supposed to be and you'll be fine. Uh, the body language is a big deal. And how do you show that at work? Do you smile, look upright, ready to go? Uh, or do you have your arms crossed and your, oh my God, eyes rolling back? And what, or, you know, what are you doing or you know, fiddling around? Now, it's not to say that you can't be productive in fiddling around. In fact, I was in a conversation with a very, very bright lady just the other day who was telling me about someone who pretty much whenever they sat in the meeting, they would doodle, right? But what, that was their way of listening to everything. And then two hours later, or two days later, they would come back and they would have reformatted what she used the word synthesized, everything that she heard in this large group and put it together in a way of connecting the dots. It was an amazing thing. But her body language, if you were, uh, would make you think that she was disinterested. But she was actually paying attention in her way so that her mind could be in the right state. Everybody has the right state for their mind to work best, and you want to be aware of what yours is, but be honest about it, okay? If you're doodling because you're disinterested, that's not the same as doodling because you're able to synthesize better that way. One other thing about body language is that when you're aware of your own, it makes you more aware and sometimes sensitive to other people's body language. As I just said, you don't want to predetermine what somebody's body language is, but some things are already built in. If I asked you to just 
close your eyes and think for a moment. Imagine someone who's depressed, how they sitting, how they standing. And when you think about that, you have a very distinct slouch, head forward, chest concaved in, you know, it's distinct. It's kind of built into our neurology that that's what, when we feel depressed, is the body language that we give. One pet peeve that I think qualifies as kind of global, if we're in a meeting and you're checking your phone, even if it's not going off, you're just periodically checking your phone, in my world, you're obviously not interested in, in what we have to do here because you're more interested in what's happening over there, which is fine as long as I'm not wasting my time here while you're doing that now. Uh, I think that's probably the biggest deal, one of the pet peeves that I have as far as body language goes is reaching for the phone and seeing if you're actually uh, supposed to be someplace else. Uh, number nine is doing extra. And this one costs you nothing, but it's a real game changer. Someone who is willing to do the extra can change the entire landscape of what they're doing and other people's as well. While others normally uh, just do enough to get by, you're gonna see the one that goes beyond the standard and just does that little extra, it doesn't only inspire themselves and get ahead. As an instructor, for example, when I see that in a student, it inspires me. It inspires me to do my work. It inspires me to help them a little bit more. So when you're wanting to really learn don't look to be spoon-fed. Look to inspire yourself and inspire the others around you. Uh, in fact, doing extra doesn't necessarily mean work harder. In fact, according to the Harvard Business Review, spending a lot of effort to exceed expectations can be counterproductive. It's much more important to fully address all of a person's concerns rather than just to exceed a few. And how do you do that? Well, the first thing is that in every situation that you get yourself involved in, doing the little extra means that you treat that one instance as an instance. What happens to a lot of folks, it doesn't matter if you're in a doctor's office, it doesn't matter if you're in an accountant's office, it doesn't matter if you're working with your son or anything else, we can fall into cookie cutter mode where here's the problem, let's address it with this modeled cookie cutter approach to the issue. Well, that's not doing a little extra. That's just pretty much, let me just take the laziest thing I can find, which could have worked, right? I mean, it could have worked in other circumstances, but when you do that little extra, for example, again, uh, maybe you rearrange your schedule might be another example of doing, doing the extra or treating someone by listening first and then working through a dialogue to create a solution in that particular instance. We all know how that feels when, for example, if you're talking with your physician and you're trying to convey how you might feel and before you can even get the sentence out, they've already written the prescription for you and they're ready to go, right? They're in a minute and a half and they're gone. Uh, doing that little extra from a provider standpoint is that you take the time to listen to what it is that your client, your patient uh, has to say to you. As an instructor, you know, this is a big deal when it comes to martial arts because when someone's working with you, they want to feel like you're listening to the challenge they have. And martial arts brings challenges. It's not about just you know punch, strike, kick. A lot of times we're facing real fears or real concerns inside of ourselves, and you're trying to convey that to an instructor. It is really, 
Yeah, I'll be, I'll be right out. Okay. You can go ahead and get some coffee ready. In martial arts, we're working with real problems sometimes and facing real fears. And it means a lot when you know that the instructor's taking that extra moment or two to listen to what it is that you're challenged by. The 10th attribute is to be prepared. Now that's straight out of the Boy Scouts manual, right? Uh, but if you had to pick two things that would pretty much make you stand apart in my world, in the physical world, you know, just that the physical, something that you could actually see uh, and others could actually see, it would be show up on time and be prepared when you get there. Uh, and being on time in my world is five minutes early. If you get there on time, you know, at nine o'clock for a nine o'clock meeting, you're actually five minutes late. If you are going to be there, be there on time, get yourself in the right position and have things ready to go. Now, I really try to show up on time for almost everything that I do, and I'm pretty good at it. I even tried to account for traffic and stuff so I can get there. But it doesn't always work out that way. And being prepared sometimes means planning, right? And I get kind of OCD about it, where I'm trying to make sure that I have everything I need, because nothing's worse to go in, for example, to prepare for an interview, and you forgot the special mic and every mic has its purpose uh, for example or every set of lighting has its purpose and when you forget one it really does you know hammer home I wasn't prepared as well as I could have been for that particular meeting so whether you're preparing yourself for your class which means you might get there to stretch out your knees or hips a little bit more so you can participate better or it could be that you have shoulder problems, you have got to get in a little bit earlier so that you can warm up to do the things that you know you can do. The 11th attribute is attitude. Uh, one of my favorite t-shirts, not wearing a day today, is my wrestling t-shirt. Attitude is everything. And it could be the last thing, it could be the first thing, but there's one thing about attitude that always matters. In my world, like I said earlier, you show up on time, be prepared. Those are like two blades of the physical world. But in these blades, there's a point. For me, the tip of the spear in anything that you do is gonna be your attitude. Uh, you cannot underestimate how powerful that is. In fact, I remember one time I was reading the Dalai Lama. I can't remember the name of the book. Could have been the Four Noble Truths. It was many, many years ago, and he wrote that there were only two places in your life that you needed to apply discipline. And at the time, I was elated because I thought life was all about discipline, every aspect of your life, right? And I was sometimes very hard on myself, so much so that I was almost failing to enjoy life. So when the Dalai Lama said, wow, you know, there's just two places you need to apply discipline. One is in your lifestyle and the other is in your attitude. And I remember pausing for a moment going, there's not a lot left after that that really matters, right? If you apply discipline to your lifestyle, get up on time, eat right, get in a little bit of exercise, uh, and you have a good attitude, it, the world almost just changes for you, right? So at this point, quick review. Be on time, work ethic, be coachable, have passion, make honest assessments, effort, energy, body language. Got it, get it up. Doing extra, being prepared, and attitude. Which leaves us to number 12, which is an interesting one because it can go either way. It's, it's got a little bend to it in other areas. Work like you are playing. George Bernard Shaw once wrote, 
We don't stop playing because we grow old. We grow old because we stop playing. To embody something, we have to learn to play with it. Uh, I explained that when we were doing the Summer Swords game a few months ago, that we get in there and we're doing our martial arts and we're having a blast and it is you know, really intense, but we play and we have a great time. Uh, ben Junkins uh, wrote that his Sifu explained to him, when he's talking about this concept of work like you're playing, that the importance of unstructured play, free of judgment or any overbearing correction in learning a physical skill is just very important. More specifically, he noted that this is where students would learn to trust their bodies, bodies that were now defined through a new set of skills. And it was those martially educated bodies that would make judgments about the world. Understanding whether someone was a threat or whether a technique was working was an embodied process. So work like you're playing, and just remember a quote from Mark Twain, work and play are words used to describe the same thing under differing conditions. And the last one, number 13, is be an agent of change. Requires you no extra talent to be an agent of change. That's why I have agents of action. They are agents of change. This is the sort of thing that Dr. Benjamin Bloom wrote about in his book, Developing Talent in Young People, where they did this really big study, and he, along with his colleagues, studied top performers in six different fields, swimming, tennis, piano, sculpting, mathematics, and neuroscience. So some pretty broad fields. So when they studied the top performers in these broad six fields, they found that all of them had one common trait. And that was as they had at least one supportive person in their adult lives. This person told them that they were unique, special, and had potential. Now this was nearly a universal theme in the development of the majority of uh, the world champion athletes, the best musicians, the superior recognized scientists and artists. You can almost include anybody on the top of their field when you hear them explain how do they get there, they usually will thank someone who was in their lives early on. It's hard to imagine, Dr. Bloom says, imagining that you're gonna put forth all this effort to try to become the best in the world in anything, okay? Because you, you got to think, how good are you gonna be to be the best wrestler in the world or the best checkers player, best chess player in the world? I mean, it's gonna take an immense amount of time and effort. But what is also surprising is that there is no basis for this belief of future greatness. Yet if one person can be an agent of change, which could be you for someone else, you can actually change the world because you just believed in someone else. So with both episodes, those are 13 attributes that could actually separate you from the pack, make you better, and it doesn't require you any more talent. I really appreciate you joining me. Allow me to be part of not just your martial arts journey, but just the pursuit. We, you know, Our motto here is that we practice martial arts to be a better person first and a better martial artist second. And I still have a lot of work to do, and, and i got to get better. I look forward to talking with you. Take care. I know you're going to get your practice in today of some kind, and I'll be talking with you real soon.